Hi guys, it's your host Matilda, Hadiza, and Imama, and you're listening to the Africa Lipso podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Africa Lipso podcast. Today we are joined by Ruby Suze. So Ruby is an illustrator, a filmmaker, and a fellow podcaster. How are you doing? I'm fine. I don't know about everybody else. Are you asking everyone? Are you just asking me? I didn't hear that. Just you. You're special on this episode. <laughs> oh, I'm, sure I'm very well. How's the pandemic been I'm for well. you? Oh, um, it's been... It's, oh. I don't know. It's like, there's part of me that I join my husband and he's like, oh my gosh, yes, we've saved so much money. In fact, I know that people are dying, but man, the money I've saved, he's just like, he's really excited because obviously we don't have any commuting charges. Like we used to travel into London. So we've saved a hell of a lot of money, but it's been very challenging homeschooling the children and trying to work at the same time. The amount of times I am, I mean, before we moved, we, you know, thank God we just bought, we're homeowners now. So we bought a house. Congratulations. Thank you. Especially around like London, boy. Yeah, so well, we moved out of London because we just, I mean, I like bush, I like trees, I like screaming actual <laughs> bush. I don't like, you know, um, always the seeing city. cities. So, yeah, so at the height of the pandemic, we were in a two bed flat and having a two bed flat with no space and having to work and teach the kids at the same time. That was really tough because we were all on Teams calls all at the same time. So my kids are in their lessons. I'm in my meeting. My husband's in his meeting. It's just, it was just manic. So there were times when I was taking meetings in my ensuite toilet because there was nowhere else to go. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. So that was hard. It was very, very hard. But the plus sides were, you know, I think I got to know my daughter in a different way. I saw my son in a different way. You know, you have no choice, but Christmas was miserable. I just did not enjoy. I love my family, but. I miss my sisters. I, I come Aww. from, uh, I'm Aww. one of four, well, I'm one of seven kids, but you know, four seven. girls, we all grow up. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I grew up with my four sisters, the younger ones, are, you know, they're much younger, but our Christmas is always amazing. You imagine four girls all together in a house, mm-hmm. food popping, music popping, everything. My mom's house, it was just, and just to have Christmas, just like my kids and my husband. I loved it, but it was just not the it same. It felt like it every other day. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, especially because we'd already seen each other. It was like, I want to see other humans, please. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, lockdown was, it was tough. It was really, really tough yeah i think there's getting to a brighter side fingers crossed i don't want to this pandemic is unpredictable you say one thing and then tomorrow it's something Mm -hmm. different but i hope it gets better but i hope so too yeah let's jump right into the topic so i had been going on youtube and stuff i'm watching a lot of videos about like infertility i don't know why i got intrigued by it but it was on a thing of like i don't know why it's not talked about openly like in our culture because it's a thing that i feel even from nollywood 
childhood we've been watching for a while like mm-hmm. where oh you can't have a kid and then the mother-in-law comes and like calls you a witch yeah etc but it's never talked about on a human level mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like I, I feel like it's the kind of thing that women are like ashamed to talk about as well so mm-hmm. I came across Ruby Suze's YouTube channel holla holla <laughs> and he was just you were just really open about it and I was like oh my gosh I need to reach out to her <laughs> I feel like there's so many people that would benefit from this conversation like and feeling like there's a community because I feel like there's a lot of people going through it just no one openly talking about mm-hmm. it absolutely so, yeah we'd love to hear your story and just pretty much like how you found out like there were any infertility issues and if you ever even thought for a second that there was a possibility at any point in your life you know what that absolutely I, you know what I must commend you for actually reaching out and actually talking about it especially if you're not even you're not on that journey yet it's really like, I think proactive. Um, so I really want to, um, commend you for doing that. Um, the reason why, another reason why I said it's proactive is because my story probably started when I was like a teenager, right? So obviously you get your period, it's fine. But there's this, there's this silence. I don't know about you, but I don't remember any conversation with my mom, with my sisters about periods. It was just like, here's pad. That's the end. There was nothing else. Yeah. Right? There was nothing else. There was no conversation about, and obviously you have it in science in school, so they teach it in science, but that's the science. That's not the actual human aspect of periods and pain and all of that stuff and what you should expect and what's not normal and what is normal. None of that really happened. Mm-hmm. So I do remember having really bad period pain And I remember praying one day that Ah oh God, please If you save me from this period pain I promise I will not stare at another boy I won't even I won't even do any hanky-panky I will stop doing all this mess and Please save me I was just crying But then I just thought Well, this is what women go through, through, right? We just go through pain And my elder sister also had pain But, you know, at that time It wasn't like There's an eight-year gap So our worlds were so far apart How is, like, this 16-year-old Going to go and speak to a 24-year-old About periods? It just, you know And she got married By the time I was probably Proper in the flow of menstruation And all of that stuff Yeah. So anyway, I got married And, uh, you know, we had we had really tried To be, um, what's to say? What's the word? Pure or whatever Like, we <laughs> No, I don't know. But let, me, let me be a real, right? I'm a very real, honest person. I met, sometimes I overshare. So if you people think it's too much, you can just edit it out. <laughs> right? So obviously, I was not uh, 100% cold shower, whatever, before I got married. Not cold shower. I don't know. I don't know what to wait. I don't know how you people like. I don't know no, it's okay. Whatever, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with works. Whatever you're comfortable but with anyway, works. I think all the words point to... I had lost my virginity before I got married, what have you. But when I met my husband and I was on this whole Jesus flex and I was like, touch not your anointed. Ah, no, don't come near me. I was <laughs> like, sister. you know... Hallelujah, I've seen the lights. We must do things right, all this stuff. So I'd mm-hmm. read this book called um what was it called? Something about I kissed dating goodbye, something like that. Anyway, and I was like, Yes, me too. I'm not gonna kiss till our wedding day. I'm gonna keep pure and holy. Anyway, so I met my husband and I convinced him basically to go on this journey where we didn't kiss until our wedding day. We were together Whoa. for like uh, yeah. Okay. We didn't like sorry, wait, I'm um, sorry, you were you were together for how long? Uh so we met in two 2000 and it's a long story but we met again in 2000 and i want to say seven 
Mm-hmm. And we got married in 2008. So for, for, no, actually about probably 2006 is when we met. So about 18 months, nothing, oh. no kiss, nothing. Okay. Um, that's not to say I didn't try. I, I'm very, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, yeah, we kept the promise and we got married in 2008. And I was like, my husband is eight years older than me. So mm. I was like, we need to have babies now. Like, because yeah. everybody, all his friends, all, I was 24. Yeah. I was 24. He was 32. All his friends had kids. It was like, you know, let's just have baby. But, you know, my marriage was very interesting. We got married and it was like, let's move in with your mom. So I moved in with my mother-in-law and my husband, which was very interesting. As you can imagine, two and a half years living with your mother-in-law is a very, um, this is blessed. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got married and everything and I we wanted to get, I wanted to get pregnant. But as soon as we got married, we flew back from our honeymoon. The first day of work, he got called and said, uh, you have been made redundant. There's no more job. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> So even though I was pushing to get pregnant, it, it he was thinking you're mad. There's no like money. It's not <laughs> <her time. laughs> this is not that. But I'm like, we have to get pregnant. We have to get pregnant. So you know, I was doing everything we possibly could to um, make this happen, and I was going to the doctors. I was having my periods as normal, but nothing was happening. Every month, my period would come, and I'd cry, and I'd feel emotional, and it was not a great time. So it went like that for maybe like a year, two years, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. So I think we'd been married a year, and I went to the doctors, um, and I always thought, you know, there must be something wrong anyway. Um, and um, the doctor said, oh, you've got um, fibroids, lots of fibroids. Oh, was that like this Nigerian the doctor. first time? you um went there yeah that was the first time obviously you go to the doctors for i don't know i've got a cold or my knees hurting or i've got a headache never for your yeah. period but, but never for my period as per oh. se so i went for the tests and and scans and he was just like yeah you've got lots of fibroids lots of them and that was the end and that's all he said and also i was high in one hormone prolactin mm-hmm. that was it and I, and I went and I just was obviously you do Dr. Google when you Dr. Google <laughs> fibroids it's not a pleasant <laughs> Wait, he didn't um, tell you what that meant no he said you might get pregnant it shouldn't stop you but you just got lots of fibroids bye that was literally this Nigerian doctor I will never forget like thanks for the thing. information <laughs> that, was that was all he said I just keep trying you've got lots of fibroids bye I was like what <laughs> it's not funny I was like excuse me Place, uncle, what do you mean? So I left, obviously distraught. Meanwhile, my husband was like, Babes, I know you're crying, but we haven't got bills, so this is your baby stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that was the beginning of you know a, a long journey into f- trying to figure out what was going on with me. And that's all that I had. I had the prognosis, but nothing else. Then I was talking to my sister one day, my elder sister, and I was crying. She was like, what's up? And like, this is not like a f- relationship where we were really close before. It's like now we're very close. But mm-hmm. at that time, I didn't really speak to her. I was just talking to her. I don't know why she even called me. And I said to her, oh, I'm just sad. She was like, why? I said, oh, because my period come. And she was like, what? I didn't even realize you were trying for a baby. Oh, and then she then opened up about all the problems she'd had. And I was like, what? Oh. Wait, like, why? Why did anybody, hello, did anybody not think that someone who's a newlywed should know about all this stuff? And she recommended a doctor. I went to see the doctor and they said, oh, I should go. So her doctor said I should go for a laparoscopy. I don't know if you have that in um, No, in sorry, what's that? 
a laparoscopy is like a keyhole. It's what they, I think it's like a keyhole surgery. So like they put a camera, they cut a hole, like a really small hole into the area where they're trying to get to and put like a camera to see what's like to investigate. It's an investigative surgery. Oh, um, wait, usually... did you call it an endoscopy or a laparoscopy? No, laparoscopy. Oh, because yeah, the one I know is endoscopy, but I guess I it's different things. Oh, because I know, yeah. ghost, I don't know. Anyways, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so a, la- a laparoscopy is, um, I've just Googled it actually. It's, it's like a small tube that goes into your abdomen and it's got a camera in it to see, to like usually around your tummy or your obviously uterus to investigate what is actually going on because there's only so far a scan like you know the scan you'll go to see if you're pregnant they do those kind of scans to see if there's problems but it's nothing like actually having an actual camera to see what is actually going on yeah mm-hmm. um so during that laparoscopy you know i woke up from that laparoscopy and um he said um i've got you know when a doctor sits on the edge of the bed if you've ever seen ER or any of those, like, you know, doctor programs, when you, a doctor sits on the edge of the bed and they try to take your hand, you know, it's <laughs> good news. There's no yeah. good news there. So I just kind of was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but both your tubes, so your my yeah, fallopian tubes are blocked and they're filled with liquid and the oh. liquid is poisonous. Oh. Poisonous? And yeah, so that even if I got pregnant, Say I could have been pregnant, the fluid would kill the fetus. Wow. Um, and so that explains why, one, my periods were so heavy, and two, why sporadically during the month I will be in pain. Like just, it will, I just could be walking and just, I'll have like a sharp pain as if someone's kicked me in my uterus and I won't be able to move for like a minute. And then I can carry on. So I would have these sharp pains, but I never knew what was going on. So he was explaining to me that that's probably why. And that, yeah, I would never be able to get pregnant naturally. That they would have to, the best thing for me to do is to get the tubes taken out, which would mean that I'm sterile. And it means I could never, ever, ever get pregnant naturally. And when I got that news, I just remember walking out of the hospital and just holding my hand over my mouth and screaming because I was just like, like, what do you say? Like, how can Mm -hmm. that even make any sense? And I felt very like angry with God, angry with myself. That was like, is it because of the hanky panky I was doing before I got married? Mm -hmm. Is God punishing me? Is when did this happen? When did, and I said, how, I remember asking the doctor, how could this have happened? And he said, you must have got an infection and you didn't realize and it progressed and it, it's killed off your tubes and I was oh, like wow. oh so it's uh, wow I didn't know that they could happen through infections yes yeah, so I thought it was natural yeah I thought it was not, something that you might be born with yeah that's kind of what I thought no it could be it, but it could have been anything it could have been could, something I was yeah. born with it could have been infection it could have been an STD it could have been anything and it was it was just devastating news I just remember feeling and I think my birthday was not long after yeah. I just remember feeling completely, utterly devastated and just not sure of what the next step was because he was like IVF. And I was like, I remember at, I think it was 13, 14 in school when they were talking about cloning. This was when cloning first became a thing, I like think, Dolly yeah. the sheep. Yeah. There was this thing about Dolly the sheep and the fact that they cloned this sheep. And I yeah. remember thinking, hey, that is the devil's work. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> 
I would never be a like I just remember feeling so violently angry about this idea of humans acting like gods in my eyes Mm -hmm. and so IVF to me was a step too far and I just I didn't want IVF I, I, I just wanted to go to sleep and like everybody else you know a little one to um play into um you know slow jams um <laughs> and then my child like as in I want some Maxwell some D'Angelo some Mary J and I can be telling my child oh child this is the soundtrack of your that's why I want this <laughs> I wanted a honeymoon baby and I, 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 you know, those, those dreams were crushed. They were absolutely crushed to pieces. And I think then it was the case of, because I was teaching by then, it was a case of we have to go for IVF. And if you do it privately, it was a stupid amount of money. I was like, I don't know. We are broke. My husband's been in and out of work. He's been made redundant. So by that time, I think we'd had a third redundancy. I'm living with my mother-in-law. This is, no, none of this. It's not There's like none of this that is making sense. No. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of wandered around aimlessly and, you know, had to go through the pain of going to other people's baby showers who'd married after us. Mm. Um, you know, uh, then I think close relatives were, were getting pregnant and having children, you know, and having people come up to me. Because since I got married, I've always been like a size 8, 10. I don't know what that is in UK, in, in Canadian sizes, but I've been relatively slim all my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but the problem that I had is and I always tell people who say it's not a problem it is it's a very real problem is that when I eat I look like I am pregnant my belly just inflates so we share I look pregnant it's a real problem right as in I look like a food baby it's a real pregnancy so obviously after you've had breakfast in the morning you go to church or you go to an event and all these very prominent aunties come out with their big big voices and be like oh we praise God hallelujah you are oh pregnant and I'm like no I just need to poo That's just ask I need to go for a poo that's all it is right babes I've just had a heavy meal um and and the comments you get oh it was it was just horrible, really, really painful. And sometimes I would just skip and I won't go to baby showers. I won't go out on Mother's Day. I won't go to people's like first birthday of their kids. I just I just I couldn't take it. It was just too painful. Um, and a lot of people around that time that I was with, they we were the youngest. I was the youngest to get married at the time. So nobody understood. There was no one to lean on. There was no one to ask. Yeah, there was no one to confide in, no one to encourage me. It was, it was a very, very lonely time. And obviously men handle their things completely differently. Yeah. Um, and being newlywed and trying to figure out mother-in-law and paying bills and stuff. And I'm there crying about baby just did not make any sense to my very wonderful husband at the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we went through that and then it was like, miraculously, this money came out of nowhere. You know, one of those things where, you know, back home, all of a sudden someone says, oh, there's this land that we've just sold. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. And then money just came from nowhere. We were like, right. Obviously yeah. this money is for a reason. And that's the money that we use to do the IVF. And I don't know if you, you know about IVF, but IVF is um, a procedure where they take the eggs from the woman and take the sperm from the man and mix them in a dish and in doing so then it's supposed to fertilize in the dish and then they put the embryo back into the woman and you know they literally just wait 
for nature to take course or not to take course. It's literally, I say it's God's. Other people say it's, it's luck. It's it's just, there is nobody who's involved in that process. Oh, it's mm-hmm. a hit or miss kind of thing. It's a hit or miss. It's, it's, um, and a lot of a lot of people, it fails for them. Oh, no. um, but for, fortunately for us, it, it worked the first time. Oh, very, very fortunately. The very first time? Wow. The very first Thank time. God, now, because it's expensive. It's so expensive. Um, and it it was re- it's really hard on your body it's mm-hmm. so hard on the body as the woman because for at least six weeks you are taking different hormones you have to take suppositories so either up your vajayjay or up your bum bum you're putting mm. things up there you're injecting stuff and i'm 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 80 te- i was a teacher at the time and i had parents evening and i had to take my injections at that time whilst i was at the parents evening so i had literally like a drug addict had to run into the toilet and shoot myself <laughs> <laughs> with my drugs mm. um and, and it's it, it is a lot of work you know I, mm. and um at one point um before they took the harvest their eggs from you i was swollen like you look pregnant because you've got all these hormones that what they're trying to do is mature that all the eggs that you have in you quickly so that they can as many as possible so that they can harvest them mm-hmm. and so i had swollen so much it, it was incredible. And I basically, it's, it's called over-hyperstimulation. So the, the hormones basically overran my body. Yeah. So I keeled over in pain one day and they had to get an ambulance to come to the playground, oh, which wow. was quite a sight. Um, and I thought, right, I, there's no way I'm going to get pregnant. Like, there's no way. I'm obviously, like, I'm dying. This is the end for me. And they had to rush me to hospital and all that stuff. But then, yeah, we, you know, um, we got pregnant with my with my son and... I can't explain the shock. I didn't really feel joy. It was just real shock because it was, I never thought it would happen. And I was, I had made peace that no matter what happens from this IVF, I'm pleased to have and grateful that we had this opportunity, but I'm going to be a mum irrespective. Mm -hmm. So whether it's through IVF or whether I'm going to adopt, I am going to be a mum. Like I, I was, I was determined that, if it's not, I'm going to give birth naturally. I'm still going to be a mum. So I was really shocked. I that guess I was a bit pessimistic that it worked because yeah. I've been told so many times it, it doesn't work. And because of my prognosis. And so when they did do the laparoscopy, as well as finding the block tubes, they also found quite a large fibroid. So for me, it was like, yeah, this is not the likelihood of this working is quite slim so mm-hmm. if it does it does and uh, yeah i produce quite a lot of eggs so usually people produce maybe maybe 10 at the most eggs mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot even 10 is a lot when when they have to take the the eggs from you to fertilize with the sperm but yeah i produced 26 i think Ooh. it was yeah. And it was so much that they had to give me morphine after they'd taken the eggs out because I was in so much pain. But when I took that morphine, I realized, I was like, this is why drug addicts do what they do. Because it's morphine. (laughs) So good. It was so, I think, I felt like I was walking on clouds. I was like, what is this? This is, I said, I understand. I understand this drug. Mm. Um, But I got pregnant with my son and it, it was just amazing. It was a, you know, pregnancy was a whole different kettle of fish. Um, yeah. At one point, I started bleeding, I think, just before the three-month oh, period. No. And I was like, okay, right, so we've obviously lost this baby. Lost. <sighs> then they get, gave a scan and they make you go home. After the scan, they don't tell you immediately what was going on. So I came back for the scan and they were like, oh, that they can see an empty sack. 
so you know babies live in a when they when you get pregnant they live in a um oh what's the word something sack epiotic or something i don't know it's a sack anyway yeah. i think i've heard that it's a sack that <laughs> the embryo shy lives in a sack right? yeah and um so they said they could see a fetus and it was fine it was heart was beating we were we were relieved and everything but they said next to it they could see an empty sack so it is, was quite possible that I was pregnant with, with twins, twins and unfortunately lost one. Oh. Um, so that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was really, that was sad. But, yeah. you know, I was, pre- I was, I was over the moon to, to, you know, carry the pregnancy to full term, even beyond full term. He was so determined not to come out. <laughs> um, and I had my son and, you know, and then shortly, not too long after, I was like, I don't want to be in teaching for the rest of my life. So the best thing for me to do is to get pregnant again. So just before, just before my maternity leave ended with my, with my son, I went back to get a frozen embryo transfer. So all the embryos that were made with when my son was made, mm-hmm. um, get frozen into, well, I don't know what freezer they put them into. <laughs> and so then when I said I wanted to have another child, they de- literally almost defrost they one embryo. They just bring it out. Like, okay, they bring it out and they're waiting. And then I come in and they put the, you know, I would have been taking my hormones beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then they put the embryo back and I got pregnant with my daughter. Oh, um, so it, it was a it was a beautiful you know it's a beautiful story and and now the, the two of them my son is eight my daughter is six oh. and but you know people look at them they're like oh they're twins I'm like well technically scientifically they are twins because they were both made on the, <laughs> same, the same day egg batch thing but yeah from the same egg batch on the same day so technically she is his twin but. She's just two years younger. They've got two. <laughs> they've oh, got this a two is so year very interesting. It is. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting. Really, I have a, really interesting. I have a question. So, like, you know, you had you had mentioned that, like, you know, you decided to do IVF, and I guess, like, mm. I was just curious as to what made you get to that decision because I know you had mentioned initially that you were previously on this wavelength Skeptical, of, pretty much. um, oh, you don't want like you know men acting like God and like you know all of that mm. fun stuff with regards to science. So, I guess, like, what changed your mind and made you be like, okay, I think IVF is the way to go for me and not like other options I know you had mentioned that if IVF didn't work you know you have you you were determined to become a mom anyway so you would have probably gone towards other options but I guess what made you have IVF as your first choice even though you were skeptical of it before there was no choice there was nothing else that I could do so this that was the only choice that I had to get pregnant naturally and I felt like my hand was forced and I also didn't feel like I'd given I, I don't, when I reflect on my journey, I always tell people that I didn't give my time, myself enough time to grieve. You know, I think when you have something like a sterilization, because that's what it is, you know, my mum had her tubes tied after she had my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's more or less what I, not after she had my daughter, after she had <laughs> her last baby. Yeah. And she was like, nah, no more. Um, and that's what people do, but they make a conscious decision to do that. I had to do it out of, uh, necessity for my health mm-hmm. and I didn't allow myself the opportunity to grieve for what could be I had to have IVF because that was the only choice there was no there was n- literally no other choice for me I, d- I would have preferred it obviously for it to be natural or you know that's what I would have preferred I still you know I still find myself crying about it today I'm 37 now and when it happened I would have been oh god maths 28 29 mm-hmm. 
I still cry because, you know, especially after you've had a good session where you're like, oh, this love making was serious. This would have been baby, <laughs> this is baby making level, making yeah. love. And then it's like, oh, that can never be my uh, It stays my with story. you pretty much. It, 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 it does. Every, you know, I saw a little toddler today. I was like, oh, Justin, it'll be so cute. Let's just, just one more. He just looked at me. I was like, you see, if I had my choose now, we'll just tell you, whoops, whoopsie daisy. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know it happened. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. But I can't do that with you. I have to get your signature. I have to go and apply. <laughs> like, because you have to get a signature. You can't just like really I mean that makes sense yeah. I, just, I, I, I guess yeah. it makes sense but I didn't know that like I just kind of yeah, thought that it, what were you going no, to steal it I mean you this person is a, <laughs> I don't know no. you, have to go, you have to ask him like he has to sign to say that yes I give you permission to like and you have to agree that this is what you actually sign papers you actually physically sign papers because in the event that the other thing they say is because in the event of God forbid he had passed away whilst I was pregnant or just before before I wanted to do the IVF, I have to have his permission to still have his child, even though he's dead. Really? Wow. Can you imagine how crazy that is? That's scary. Huh. Very, very crazy. I so see. it makes things more complicated, and you, you, I guess you always have this feeling of I wish I, it was just a bit more straightforward and everything. Yeah. The other thing is you get a con. Like I don't know how it works in America, but we get yearly bills of the frozen embryo. So the cost of the frozen embryo comes you keep it in your out every season? month. Mama, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, no, wait. No. What's the temperature that it requires? No. I, I can, I'm sure that I can get. <laughs> no, okay, done. wait, no, but I am finished. it's like I feel like because <laughs> no, because well, if it's, I don't know how expensive it is, but like I assume it's like expensive, so it's like if he's, there's a reason people aren't keeping it in their freezer because because it's big farmer is trying to make money. <laughs> oh my gosh, so right beside the frozen chicken and the <laughs> someone goes to your fridge my... and they open it and they're like what's that oh, oh my gosh you open you open the eggs and you be smelling crayfish <laughs> oh 24 my God. embryos just sitting there waiting <laughs> no unfortunately not um, so obviously they keep it in their laboratory um, so every year we get a bill and I still find that conversation very difficult because my husband's like we shouldn't be paying for this anymore we're done having children and I'm like but those are my babies and he's like but they're not really babies can you donate just... them so I have since found out because of my videos people reach out to me and, and someone a gentleman actually sent me an email I get emails from men as well and a gentleman actually told me of a charity that you can donate embryos to mm. so I'm, I'm thinking about doing that I'm also kind of thinking because I'm like oh, I'm getting I, I don't know why my obsession with my age but I'm like mm, I'm near 40 now you know menopause is kind of close by no, it's you not. know really. <laughs> well in my head in my head okay. that is what I'm thinking and you know so I was like Actually, maybe it might be wise for me to, it would be nice for me to, because there's a lot of people who can't produce, who don't produce eggs. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe I can go through that process of do- and donate eggs um, before, because there's lots of people who are struggling and particularly black people, African-American people are really struggling to have children because the group of people right, that are, they're readily donating embryos or sperm is already quite small because it's not, it's not an everyday thing, mm-hmm. right? And then now when you now start thinking about race, 
it's even smaller. smaller. So the amount of, you know, because at one point when we couldn't afford the IVF, I was going to go through the donation route. So there's another route that you can go through where somebody who want, who can't produce eggs or something like that will pay for my IVF. Okay. And so what will happen is when they stimulate me to produce eggs, we will half the amount of eggs. So if I got 20, she will take 10. I will take 10. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. So then she'll go off and try and have her baby with her husband's sperm. And I will go off and have my children with my husband's sperm. Obviously, there is that kind of moral issue where technically that child is half mine. Yeah. Genetically. Yeah. Um, but I, I always think that the more the merrier. Like if a child comes at 18 and says, hey, you're kind of like my mummy. I'll be like, oh, great. I got six kids. Awesome. <laughs> To me, that is my dream. You know, I always dreamt of like, I always wanted boys. So my dream was to have like, it will be like my 50th birthday and there'll be these four tall, gorgeous, dark-skinned men standing behind me and I'm sat in there, you know, <laughs> cutting my cake. I'm like, yes, see my princes behind me. That's, so, you know, having two is not quite the same. It's not the same as <laughs> four. No, I, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking about still going through the process of donating my eggs definitely my embryos i will donate them and i'll, I'll have that conversation with with hubby but um i'm definitely gonna i'm thinking of doing that before menopause creeps in and you know because as you get older they say they say well as you get older your eggs diminish isn't it the number yeah. of eggs you have they diminish so that's why i keep talking about menopause i'm like ah before that thing comes and makes my life easier with all this bloods every month i'm tired so <laughs> before that happens it'd be you know it'd be it'd be great and just before i forget lots of people always ask me if I don't have tubes, do I still get periods? Oh yes. I, I made a mental note to actually ask yeah, about not about even yes. that period now. thing, but also like, <laughs> yes. like the pregnancy thing. How does that work without if tubes? If you don't have tubes, yeah. yeah. So because usually in a natural conception, the egg travels through, from your uh, ovaries through the fallopian tubes into your uterus womb area. That's where it meets the sperm and then it attaches to the womb lining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you don't have tubes, I don't know where the eggs are disappearing to because clearly they, they should probably still be releasing. And if not, they're just kept in wherever they are. So I don't know actually what's happened with my eggs. So I don't have that journey. So obviously the, the, the pathway is no longer there. But when you have IVF, they've already got the embryo. So they're just attaching it. They're, they're trying to make it attach back to the womb lining because obviously I don't have that journey anymore. However, I still have obviously a womb and it's the womb lining that is what is shed every time you have a period oh she said science lesson yeah yeah (laughs) so it's not just the egg obviously the egg comes out as well if it's not been um fertilized but the main bulk of your period is actually the womb lining that is shedding Mm. that's what's good so i still have a period annoyingly and it's still extremely painful and icky so yeah, I'm in the process of like, I'm like, I don't want this thing. I don't want this period. This is, I have 24, 7, 365 contraception. I don't need the period. Why is it there? Please just take it away. But I'm not interested. Because like, I, I think I've also heard stories of people that are sterile, but like they had to take out their whole womb. And yes. one of the things that makes them sad is the fact that they can't have periods. And like, I think they get sad that like, it's a thing that like other women experience and they don't get to experience. So in a way, that those periods are blessings 
if you look at it. Yes, yes, I see what you mean because it reminds, because I can imagine if you don't have a womb, you might feel literally less of a woman because you don't, womb means womb man that's what woman means so if you don't have a womb and it's taken out you might feel less of a woman but I guess you'd have to go through a lot of counseling to and therapy to kind of really process what it means to you to be a woman because Mm -hmm. for me periods is not being a woman (laughs) having breasts having my nails did Having a cute bum, all those things, those things. <laughs> that is what being a woman is. <laughs> that's what being a woman is about. And the fact that we have a really interesting way of seeing the world, that to me is being a woman. But having an actual womb, I'm like, ah, ah, you know. Sure. Maybe. Even talking about counseling, is that something that you had to go through? Like, you know, with processing the news when you initially got it and all of that? <laughs> I I love that question. I wish I had. I wish Mm. so much I had gone through therapy. I wish they had made it mandatory. I think now the fertility services are a lot better and they would have made it. I think because I got my, so when I got my laparoscopy to investigate, to see and when I got the news that I had to have the tubes out he hadn't taken them out and I said to him why don't you just take them out when I was under the knife he said no (laughs) legally he can't make that kind of call Mm -hmm. without telling me so then I had to go back to go and do another laparoscopy for them to actually take the the tubes out Um, and because I didn't do that privately I was fortunate enough to do that on the publicly on the NHS Mm -hmm. Um, maybe that's why they didn't go through counseling or therapy I was never spoken to and I really regret that and I think that's something that we really need to advocate because I think that's what led to I'm not sure if you've seen on my other my YouTube channel that I talked about my mental breakdown but I think because I had I didn't grieve for that process I didn't mm. process that then I had two children in quick succession and then I went back to work there was no which way I basically for the for what I don't know for a period of like four years I put my body and my mind through so much that it just it broke it just couldn't take it anymore I'd gone through two surgeries then both my children were emergency c-sections um my daughter's c-section was the worst because I had the c-section it was fine but I had a very eager surgeon who was determined to give me the neatest tightiest stitches ever mm-hmm. and over stitched me up which caused oh, no. infection oh, no. and then I hope you're not squeamish but then he, basically they had to cut me back open again after I'd come out and had my baby they cut me back open again and then had to leave it open and I had to be at home so I had to every yeah I was at home I, I couldn't leave the house because they had to send nurses to the house every day to dress the wound <laughs> I, I guess I could, but at the time I was so in pain. I, I there was yeah, no I energy, like that's and I, the last thing on your, your mind. Like it, I had a baby, I was breastfeeding, right? And this wound <laughs> that was gaping okay. from my womb, and then my my son, for some reason, I thought I was super mum. I was trying to potty train a two year old whilst oh having gosh. a baby, and yeah, I was insane. I was absolutely insane. And then I went back to work, and my mind just it just broke. Yeah. And I think that had. I'm a massive advocate for therapy. I started therapy um, just before my breakdown, actually. So God just caught it in time. So I was able to process a lot of things. But, you know, I, I think that had I had that at the time, 
even if you don't have a, a, a really serious prognosis of, you know, like I did, I think if you're going through any kind of fertility challenge, I think actually forget fertility challenge. Black women in, in general, we have trauma left, right and center. You know, I feel like anyway, if, before you get married, please go and get yourself checked out because marriage will trigger you differently you'll mm. realize that a lot of the things that you are fighting has got nothing to do with the person that's in front of you mm. nothing mm. it's all your trauma from your childhood you said mm. a word <laughs> no um therapy is such a good it's it's so necessary um mm. it's so so necessary because we all you know hurt people hurt people that's yeah. at the end of the day. And we all we all have levels, different levels of trauma. Um, and obviously what I went through with our facility journey was traumatic. Yeah. Um, and I lived with that trauma even now. You know, um, I, I obviously, because of the work that I do in terms of um, the YouTube, people still, you know, sends me emails and things like that. And, and it, tra- it still triggers me. You know, I see an email and someone's telling me, you know, or the, it triggers me. So sometimes it takes me a couple of days to respond or sometimes longer because it takes me back to that place or to that. It's not, it's not back because it doesn't ever leave you. I don't mm-hmm. think you can go through that and, and it ever leave you. I look at my children and I shout at them and scream at them. And then I'm like, feel guilty. Cause I'm like, these are the miracle children you never thought you would have. And here you mm-hmm. are shouting at them because they've used shea butter to cream the wall. <laughs> It's it's hard, um, or you know, when I still I would love another baby, you know, and I still hear. Just yesterday was my mom, my mum, my actual mum was like, "Oh, you should try for another baby," and I was oh. like, oh my God. "You know," but it's you know, and she was obviously she knows my journey, but it's it's still very hard, you know. I have friends who've got three, four in the space that I've had just two, or our children are the youngest out of all my husband's friends, you know, all his friends, their kids are all in secondary school. So the phase that they're in, they're like, oh, let's go out tonight. I'm like, yeah, I can't because I can't leave an eight-year-old. No, not if it's not my eight-year-old. I can't leave my six-year-old daughter alone. Just not my son. He's fine. She, she's a a little bit of mischief mischief and creative soul. So can't leave her on her own. She'll she'll turn my house upside down. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it it never leaves you. And I think as as that, I I think I'll always be processing in some Mm -hmm. shape or form you know Mm. always and has your therapy continued as well yeah I've done in and out so after the breakdown I was in in therapy for a while then I stopped then something else triggered a lot of like low feeling I started again I've tried well I say I dragged my husband to therapy several (laughs) times um and and when I say therapy I always like to clarify I'm not talking about um church I'm not thinking about one auntie and uncle that you respect Mm-hmm. No, I'm thinking of professional. an actual a professional, yeah. licensed individual. Not that auntie that always drops words or like <laughs> oh, the ones that like, get that wants to give you sex positions. <laughs> no, oh yeah, I didn't tell you about my story about the yes, <laughs> So let me tell you the story. So I went to Ireland with um, my family and my mom's sisters there, and and obviously at that time we were trying for trying to get pregnant, and everybody knew, and was always praying, and he's like. This time next year, this time next year, you'll be carrying twins. This time next year, you'll be carrying twins. And they will look just like you. This time, like, I don't know. They were praying on these things anyway. So she was there. And then um, 
this particular auntie saw me and she was like, ah, oh, you haven't had baby yet. I was like, no. And she's like, oh, I know. This is what you need to do. So you should, cause you're not praying enough. It's like, okay, right, okay, yes. I'm not praying enough. In front of my husband, my sisters and my mom's friend. And she was like, it's because you're not praying enough. What you need to do? She stood up in front of all these people in a circle oh and was like, what you need to do is you need to climb on your husband and you <gasps> sit on him. And then, <laughs> what's the name? Have you picked your names for your children? I was like, yeah. She was like, what's the name? I said, Jaden. She said, all you need to do is, oh, you're on top of your husband. You'll be saying, I received Jaden. Oh, I my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, um, <laughs> I don't even know the word. She was demonstrating. <laughs> she was physically demonstrating <gasps> how I should be climbing should my receive Jaden. And receive my son. In oh, my this is up. <laughs> this, is just, this is just a story of it. I can't even That's imagine what you've been there. Oh my I have gosh. been asked by my in-law. My mother-in-law sat me down and was like, is everything working? I was like, what? <laughs> like, as in, is my son something? I was like, no, I'm not having. Oh I'm gosh. not talking about your son's penis with you. We're not doing that. This is not what we're about right now. Like, I've had had the most, like, I've been asked to leave family meetings because I haven't had a child for them. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, it's, it, I've I've been, it, it's been really, like, horrifying. Do these people, like, know about, like, so. your journey or, like, the things no, you were going through? No, they just through, say or? it. No, absolutely not. I've had oh, you're too focused on your career. That's why you're not pregnant yet. It's so proud um, of them to make assumptions. Yeah, just literally. It's like, oh. As assuming it's things. Literally, oh. is the Nigerian culture. Uh, oh, there's something wrong with you. Or oh, you haven't prayed enough. I got that mm-hmm. a lot. You haven't prayed enough. Wow. Or you have a spiritual husband you're sleeping with in your sleep. Ah, there's that um, one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all this, oh, she slept with so many men. Oh, just, she's like, finally you know, had an abortion. Uh-huh, yeah. she's had an that's, abortion. That's the one but that it, Nollywood made sure to push. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they always push that one. They always push that one. But And they never talk about the fact that, I mean, you know, thankfully for, oh, oh not thankfully, whichever way you choose to see it, there wasn't an issue with my husband. He was fine. But mm-hmm. in some marriages, the issue is actually with the men. Yeah, I know yeah, friends the women who, catch all the men have got but the women are the ones who catch everything and yeah. it's really unfair but then to be honest I mean this is going to start a whole different thing but I think the women get a lot of the back end of a lot of trash to be honest mm. we it's not just with fertility it's even in marriage you know if, when it comes mm, to marriage it's any problem it's the woman yeah, yeah it's the woman all the yeah. time they come to the house the house is a mess oh it's the woman's fault wait hang on did you train your husband your son has to pick up a broom like how I'm working he's working yeah even when marriages fall apart it's like you didn't know how to keep your husband Mm -hmm. and it's like what if the husband didn't want to be kept you don't know They they don't see it that way, and they don't like. We had this heated discussion yesterday with some friends, and I was like, "You guys have it so easy," and they were like, "No, we don't. You don't understand the pressure." I'm like, "No, you don't get it. Like, if you go out, yeah, and your child is looking nappy, you know, I've got dreadlocks. In fact, our whole family's got dreadlocks. I've got dreadlocks. My husband's got locks. My children have locks. Right. So if we go out. They're looking at me like, why are your children's hair so nappy like that? Yeah. They're not looking at you. 
Mm. They're like, ah, he's a Jamaican. They say, Jamaican. He's married a Jamaican. I'm That's what they <laughs> Jamaican. Jamaican. He's married a Jamaican. A Jamaican. That's all. They'll say, he's, you know, um, and always, always me. They're like, ah, he's married an Oibo wife. Because I've born and bred in the UK, so I don't know anything else. Yeah. But mm. as far as they're concerned, ah, dad, they married this, this Oibo bride, you know. It's like, it's, look, leave me alone. You know, and I think women get the, we get the brunt of, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. a lot of stuff and especially when it comes to fertility and also it's a lot of the time it's us the women who are pushing the men to go for tests mm. there's a lot of stigma around going for sperm tests like ah yeah. what will I do I'll go there and I'll be touching myself You're before saying, yeah. I put bruh if that's what it takes go ahead touch yourself please like listen I will help you not the other way around Mm. wow no I just said I see how it it has been normalized for women to go for fertility tests but never men Mm-hmm. At no. least in our and it's culture. always seedy it's very seedy for men to go for tests even when they do it in the films aside from our Nigerian culture if you see American films it's always seedy they've always got some nasty magazines always some woman who's watching the man <laughs> go into this dark room mm, yeah. you know it's always like porn everywhere it's like I don't I mean I, I think I briefly asked my husband like um, dude like because obviously the same day that they took the eggs out of me he has to produce a specimen and I wasn't there because I was high on drugs trying to <laughs> (laughs) you know come around so bruv you know you have to do what you need to do and I was just like well beforehand we're gonna I'm gonna send you some sexy pic I don't want you to be looking on what I don't want anybody with one big bumper I haven't Mm. got big bum to come and romanticize you so let me send you the pictures that you need to see that's all you need to do because I haven't got big I am a spaghetti my figure has always been straight up and down big breast that's all I have don't go and now Google somebody with some big batty and I cannot compete with. So please, no so that you have to do what you need to do. No, 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 no. And and some a lot of men get the, the opportunity to actually to do their specimen at home, which is mm. makes a lot a lot easier. Yeah. But a lot of men don't want to go for they don't want to go for the test. But I think it's because of what they've seen on movies a lot of the time now if you go for a sperm test they'll give you the jar you go home produce the sperm test the only thing is you need to make sure you're close enough to the hospital because yeah. the sperm has to be tested within a certain frame of time, time. but yeah. that's that that's it but it's they make it seem as this dirty slimy you see these satanic you know yeah. and I've had funny enough talking about that on my YouTube channel I've had a lot of comments calling me all sorts of names um <gasps> saying that you know I'm going to hell IVF is not of God my children are going to hell IVF is not of God IVF is man-made actually speaking of that so like I guess like you had mentioned that you initially had like this relationship with God even before you got married so like you know you had the process where you thought like the whole thing man playing God and then like you also had your answers telling you you're not praying enough and now you're YouTube where like people are telling you that IVF is not of God like I'm just curious as to how that might have affected or if it even affected your relationship with God oh listen IVF messed up my faith with God in so many different ways (laughs) because first of all it was like why am I doing this because it's a medical procedure and I don't want to play God. And I had to process that to think, well, hang on a minute. If I've got a headache, what do I do? I take painkiller. Mm-hmm. So this is not really playing God. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, I was looking at my mother-in-law and I was like, you're taking all sorts of high blood pressure medicine, but you're telling me I need deliverance because I haven't had a I'm child. Screaming. No, there's something, there's something really wrong in this equation. <laughs> I was like, IVF. And I said, well, at the end of the day, 
IVF was made by man and man had an idea and anything good and perfect comes from God. So this is good and perfect. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's all I could say, saying to myself. And, and I also was, I, I started and repeated all the time was like, man, no matter how advanced they are, no man on earth can replicate life. Nobody. Mm-hmm. As in, the doctors can put the sperm and the egg together to make an embryo, but that embryo only gets life when it attaches to the womb. And there is nobody, no man, cat, dog, camel, anybody that is mm-hmm. in that process. That can only be God's hands because they can't replicate the heartbeat. They can't do it. In all the scientific powers and advances we've made, mm-hmm. man has not been able to guarantee to produce life and in fact the the doctor that we had he said you know what he literally said and i don't know whether he's he's, i don't think he's a christian i don't know what faith he has he said oh once he'd done the ivf transfer the embryo transfer he was like the rest is up to god now Mm -hmm. literally said he said we've done all we can do now we wait that's all he said so So it's just like an assist it's not creating yeah it's an assist it's not creating it's an assist the same way you know i'm praying for a boob lift at some point in my life (laughs) me um or you know someone who's lost their leg gets a artificial leg someone yeah someone who has issues with you know i'm on antidepressants and i've said it on my youtube i'm on antidepressants to regulate my hormones and help with depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. that's all assisting i still have to process my anxious thoughts i still have to deal with sadness and feeling like the world is ending and all that stuff it just helps me to live in a world that i can do that properly you know so i i processed that and then i think i felt very i there was a lot of feeling of i was being punished like i was like i've done something wrong i slept with too many men i slept with the wrong man it's the evil spirit from one ex or (laughs) like i had all of that and i was like but you know when i was a bit more promiscuous i say i had gone through a lot my parents were divorcing there was a lot of stuff that was a lot of pressure that was laid on me so i was like but i didn't ask for that to happen so it was like a lot of anger a lot of trauma came out um, and then when I had the children there was a lot of like I was grateful to have these kids but at the same time the weight of responsibility I was like okay I've had these kids now God but like and now I don't feel good enough now maybe there's the I often get the thought of I should never have been a mum you were never meant to be a mum that's why God allowed that to happen so you know those negative thoughts will come into my mind of you were never supposed to be a mum and now you forced it to happen and that's why your son is having this tantrum or you were never supposed to be a mum that's why you know there's all those like the afterthoughts as well that come that are completely intrusive and I still process them with God today I just be like you know what I'm not feeling so hot you know I'm working from home now and I can't entertain my kids the way I used to when I was a teacher during summer holidays. I'm sorry. I can't. I cannot be your entertainment system whilst I'm trying to work. And you get that mum guilt and then it comes back to you were never supposed to be a mum in the first place. Why did you even have children? You know, or like I get annoyed that my children, my husband can be sitting next to them. I'm sat right now in an office in the garden. Thank God. So my, my office is not connected to the house. Okay. Mm-hmm. My children are in the house 
with my husband and they can be hungry and they will leave their bedroom next to their dad, mm-hmm. go past their dad through the kitchen, across the garden to the back of the garden where the office is to ask me for a sandwich, right? <laughs> and I'll be like, why are you always calling me? <laughs> and then I get that negative voice of when you were trying for children, all you kept crying was, I want someone to be called me mummy. And now you're here. Mm-hmm. Now you're here complaining that someone is calling you mummy. You know, it's it's those thoughts, they never really leave you. And, and I process them all the time with God. And I'm not afraid to say, God, I'm angry. God, I'm pissed off. I often swear when I'm praying as well, just because I think it's cathartic. And I don't think God is scared of my swear words anyway. He knows them anyway. Right, with God. A hundred percent. And I'm very, you know, and I journal. I journal a lot. I've journaled since I was, oh, I'd say 13. So I have all my journals since then. And so whenever I'm right, I write everything out and I get angry. And I, I think that's what you're supposed to do. It's part of, I think, I mean, David, if, you know, if people are Christians or not Christians, you have to be transparent with yourself. And if you're not, it will just come up and trip you up anyway. Truth comes out. It can never be hidden. And it's only you you're pretending to. So it's better for you to face it and deal with it and know that that's how you're feeling. (laughs) You're only pretending to yourself. And at the end of the day, truth will, it, it will smell. It will smell eventually, right? It can't, it can't be hidden. It just, it just can't. So no matter how much, you know, I... I know that I'm going to have to deal with the fact that I really would love two more children. I don't know. At some point, I'm going to have to like deal with the fact that that's unlikely to happen because in my head, I'm like, when I'm when it's my 40th birthday, I don't want to be pregnant and I don't want to change nappies. Yeah. So that's only three years away. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Unless I have children this year, it probably won't, <laughs> it probably won't happen. Yeah. But that's just a real vanity thing. That's a big vanity thing. It's really a lot to so, process, yeah. to be honest. I feel like there's a lot you said that I've never even considered for a second. And it's very, very interesting. And sometimes I wonder also for people that haven't even started the journey of even trying for kids, I wonder if it's best to at least consider even the possibility. Like, do you feel that if you had ever considered the possibility before you had started trying, it would have made the impact easier? Or better. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I tell you what, I have just because I love, I guess, people and, and sharing information. Well, no, let me take it back. I don't necessarily love people. I'm very selective. But like I love I love sharing information with younger women who, you know, who can relate to my story and, and, and like to be authentic. So I have I have all oh, maybe three or four girls that I I say girls, they're women now that I mentor, I've mentored and share and also because I wasn't the most popular kid when I was at school. I was not even popular, I was the worst dweebiest geekiest loner of a child so i feel like through them i relive my my my, my teen years, years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. my youth um so yeah i've known them since they were what 13 15 and now they're like big women 20 something year olds Ooh. you know women so i always tell them and my hope before they get married is several things first of all go for therapy for yourself just yourself before you meet anybody go sort out your own triggers because there is trauma that you've gone through that you haven't processed and it will do yourself your children and your husband a favor if you sort out your ish before you get married a hundred percent like you're never going to be a hundred percent 
you know, right. trauma free. There's yeah. always going to be there. But if you do a lot of work before you get married on yourself, it will help you so much. That's one thing. The second thing is I would always do a health check, like an MOT. Now they don't necessarily offer that for free on the M- NHS. So if you can put aside some money to go for a full check or, you know, bend the truth a little bit, if you have to go to the NHS and say, look, I've got, I've got very heavy periods. Can you please just scan me? Right. And so, MOT, and you can just enter. I'll stand for it. Oh, sorry. MOT is that. Oh, it's a British thing. I forgot. It's, um, yeah. oh, what does MOT stand for? <laughs> Motor. I, oh, I always, what does it stand for? Let me see. Google. Uh, so basically, an MOT is what we go, th- your car goes through MOT in, in this country to make sure it's fit for the road. So like you have to, it checks your tires, your wipers. There's some like checks it goes through. Oh, I thought, I just forgot. I don't know. I thought it was a worldwide thing. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just called MOT in the UK, but like there's definitely probably something for that everywhere else. Yeah. You can't just go on the road if your tires (laughs) are like K-leg. No, it's not like Nigeria where any car goes. Anything goes. No, 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 no. As long as it's driving, it's going in Nigeria. No, like you can't do that in the UK it has to go through certain checks and stuff like that. Yeah. So I would do the same for your health. Yeah. So everything. So but I would go for full blood test. Like I feel no, like no. Even when you go for your like yearly checkup and stuff yeah. like that, they they check like general stuff like they never go your reproductive system, I don't think, right? No, so what I would do, no no they don't. They don't. Um, so what I would do is, uh, that's why I said, what you need to do is you need to say to them, you're going to do a full blood test, yeah. right? And tell them, because you, you, you need to do a blood test anyway. Yeah. But also tell them that, look, I'm concerned about my periods. Can I please have a scan, a scan of my womb? Mm-hmm. And that will tell you if there is any kind of growth, if there's fibroids. So one thing I left out of my story, I forgot, is that when they did do the scan, as well as the fibroids, they found cysts on my ovaries. Mm-hmm. So I had this mm-hmm. thing called polycystic ovaries. Oh, so I have cysts on my ovaries, PCOS, yeah. But I didn't have the syndrome. I just had polycystic ovaries because there's a difference between the syndrome and having cysts you can have cysts oh. on your ovaries and that's fine but if you have the syndrome that's when people they say that sometimes if you have the syndrome one way they can tell is that if you've got lots of facial hair or mm-hmm. if you if your periods are very irregular then you might have the syndrome which is where the difficulty in fertility comes so yeah before i get married i would i would ask everyone to go for a scan of your womb check your blood levels as well and also make sure you get your full blood work because then you've got information. And even if you're now, even if you're not thinking I'm going to get married in like 12 months, just do it anyway. And just mm-hmm. say to them, you know, I just like to check out for my own sanity, you know, and just make sure that everything's fine. Because then, you know, to be forewarned, no, what, what's that saying? That yeah, says if you, if you know. Forewarned is to be forearmed. To be forearmed. Yeah. yeah. You know what you're dealing with, right? And, you know, it's it's a lot easier to, to know. And especially blood type. You should know your blood type as well before yeah. you got married. I thought we'd known our blood type. And then we found out that actually my husband is a sickle cell carrier. He's not, he hasn't got sickle cell, but he has the gene. Yeah. And so both my children are carriers. I didn't know I wasn't a carrier Mm -hmm. and I just assumed he wasn't a carrier, but both of them are carriers. Obviously that as a black person, that means that you have to be a little bit more vigilant of who you choose to marry. 
Because if you marry someone who also is a carrier, then the likelihood of you producing a sickle cell child Mm -hmm. is higher. So it might mean that you have to do, you might have to start saving because I'm not, I'm not a fan of saying I'm not going to marry you because of your blood type. I mean, that's to me, that's a bit too much. I've been saying I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. But what I would do. Methods, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what I would do and what I'm trying, planning to do for my children is to start saving now so that if they get to the point where they find someone who is also a carrier, there is a type of IVF they can do that will ensure that they will screen the embryos Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're not a sickle cell child. Yeah. So that they will only impregnate you with a child who is not a carrier or who hasn't got sickle cell. Because, you know, we've had family and friends who, who have sickle cell children. And then it's not a joke. It's very serious sickness, mm-hmm. um, illness. So I think those are all things that we should, and we should be screaming from the rooftops. Like women need to do these things and check those things as well as, in fact, that reminds me, I need to book my smear tests. These things aren't yeah, jokes, well, I you know. I need to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not a joke. They're not, they're not jokey. They're not um, joke, joke things that we play with and we play with our health a lot. We just don't think um, about we, it, I guess, as no, much as we should. No, and we spiritualize it as well. It, ah, uh, no, come on. In Jesus' name. I rebuke everything in Jesus' name. I will not have smear tests. No. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, just go, you know. And uh, the amount of women who are dying from breast cancer, nobody checks their breasts. Yeah. I'm like, just like, it takes two seconds. You're in the bread, you know, you're washing yourself with your sponge. Just check. We're like, oh, okay. That's okay. You know, no, well, we pray for that. If they're Nigerian, I'm sure they shower. Oh, true, yeah, that is true. Yeah. If you're Nigerian and you don't shower, we'll have to we have to pray for you because that's not it's not consider consider you really Nigerian because it's like as you come out of the womb, they give you a sponge. Let's be frank. (laughs) Like (laughs) have you seen one of those? You probably haven't. They're like they're almost like wooden sponges. Yes, yes. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very intense. Why is Oh, that is very intense. You'll be fresh. Listen, you're shining differently. Yeah. I think they call it konkon. Konkon, that's what, that's the word. Yeah, konkon, they call it konkon. But man, you'll be feeling fresh when you come out. Bro, that thing scrubs your skin. Nigerians don't play with um, cleanliness. (laughs) No, we don't. As in, you're not bathing, you know. I remember (laughs) someone came, I remember going on holiday and I think I went with some of my Oliver friends, my friends who are not black, (laughs) and we went on holiday and I was like where's your sponge they were like what I was like I'm sorry I said I said how do you how do you even sponge how do you wash yourself <laughs> they were like you just put the shower gel in your hands and just rub it on your body I was like eh eh no, no, no. I said <laughs> in my head I was like there's debt on your body there's debt there's debt yeah. there's debt you are you it's a thing now for celebrities to come out and say they don't shower I don't know if no, you've heard that terrible. a lot yeah. of no. a lot of them are coming out to say that they don't yeah, shower the, the that they only shower ones. when uh, they only shower when they're sweaty and I'm just like it was God like Mila actually forbid Kutcher. And then um that fine man, what's his name? Um uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh-huh, that one too. He doesn't shower either. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they're just saying that for publicity. They're just bored. No, they no, just needed they're dead ass. No. <laughs> There's no reason no. you need to say it on the news. No, no, I mean, and you know, I remember when the phase when exfoliating gloves were became a oh, thing. Oh yeah. And I was like, 
well, we've been doing this for years. Like, I was like, why is this a thing all of a sudden? I mean, I'm grateful for the invention that I can wear gloves now. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I don't have to bind this net around my hand. That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah. we have been doing this. And I've come to realize that that is, must be the reason why our skin don't crack. Because we sh- we scrub and we new people call it exfoliation. We call we it call scrubbing. It That's every day normal bathing. bathing. That's normal. Yeah, it's just as normal bath. <laughs> we're going to bath. That's no bath. <laughs> not take a no, bath. bath. Not shower. That's we're going to go bath. That sounds boring. We're going to bath. And and then we moisturize. Yeah. Like we actually use cream on our body, but they don't. They you know they just come out and that's it. And they rub themselves with towel. And I'm like, wait, you have just caressed your body with soap, and now you're <laughs> massaging. Oh my god. <laughs> you are now massaging the death. With your towel into your body. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Yes, you're very clean, obviously. Sure. <laughs> but I, I wonder um, also. But yeah. Yeah, just going back yeah. also to the um the topic of like, you know, having a support system. I know you mentioned that like around that point, like a mm. lot of your friends weren't married and stuff like that. But if like you were to advise like anyone in the future or anyone like going through that right now, like how important would finding a support system and like how do you even find a support system for these things? Especially when people are so private about these things in our culture, especially. Mm. I think you have to determine yourself that your mental health is more important than anybody else's awkwardness. Mm. Um, I found one person that I could speak to about it, one, and she was much older than me. Um, And she hadn't necessarily gone through the fertility issues that I had. She'd had several miscarriages and I think she'd even had a stillborn at one point, which was just as it was, it was horrific. So she understood the pain and the anguish that I was, I was experiencing. And that was just her. I couldn't speak to anybody else. Even, you know, I was very close to the heads of the church that I was going to at the time. And it was every Christianese. It was just lots of Christianese. It would be done in Jesus name and all that kind of stuff. It was, it never really touched my heart. So looking back, I, it was a very lonely time and there wasn't a lot of support. A lot of the people, like I mentioned before, were much, they were the same age as me, but they had no clue about what they're saying. I think now I think I have better hopes for people at this age. I think there's a lot more information out there. Um, however, what I would advise anybody to do is to... The internet is is really good right now and there are lots of support groups online that specialize in supporting women in fertility issues. There's one organization um, that I have been fortunate to be part of before called Bebe Heaven and they're based in Nigeria and mm. they do a lot of support groups for women going through the fertility journey. There are several charities in the UK that deal with it. There are hundreds of um, Instagram influencers who are specializing in talking about fertility issues. So I think there is a lot of support out there, but there's a lot of women who are even afraid to even contact people. Even though I've said that, you know, sometimes emails trigger me, I've been absolutely fortunate, really fortunate to be come alongside numbers of women who I have helped to kind of, I wouldn't say coach, but just support like, you know, hey, how are you doing um, through this process? And, you know, several of them have gone on to have 
children, you know, and that's been brilliant. So the first thing I would do is if if you're scared of speaking to someone close, because the other thing is you don't want gossip. You don't want yeah. to go to somebody and they go I and tell your dad. Yeah. <laughs> you go and tell Ayo and Ade and uh, Abana. All of the people <laughs> around. Sorry, that guardian. <laughs> random auntie like so I I, I I understand that but I would say this is a perfect time to be in, to meet an anonymous stranger it's a perfect opportunity for you I reached out to people online and and, and read a lot of stories online um, watched as much as I could on on YouTube that actually I never was bold enough to yes I did actually I did I did YouTube some huge um, stories about but there's there's so much information out there it's unreal now there is lots back then 10 years ago there was nothing it was it was like radio silence but now there is so much more information and you need to find one person that you can confide in and you would be surprised and don't go to that friend who's always if you are living your authentic self, I think you would normally attract authentic people. Mm-hmm. But if you know deep down that you are being one way with your friend, if you haven't got a friend that you can tell, listen, I think I'm going to sleep with that guy and I don't care, I might sleep with his brother as well later. If you haven't got that kind of deep <laughs> level of friendship, it's going to be really difficult for you to then talk about the real hard hitting stuff. Mm-hmm. So you need, to, I think it's important that you need to evaluate okay. your relationships and wonder if, if I can't talk to anybody around me, am I even in the right circle in the first place? Mm-hmm. Are, are these the right people for me? I mean, because at that time I was really, you know, I couldn't speak to any of my f- so-called friends. But then I realized if I can't talk to these girls about this thing, this is not a circle that I should be in. And it was sad because now you're grieving, obviously, what you're going so through with fertility, but then you're also realizing these are not the girls, these are not these are not the friendship groups I'm I should be in because if I can't be my authentic self, and you know there were times when I cry and people come over for dinner and I'm you know I'll go to the t- I'd be fine in the half first half of dinner I'll serve the starter and then I'll go to the room and realize I'm on my period and I come back out and I'm literally yeah. like my eyes are bawling and I'm red. And, you know, perhaps my period had been late. So I was really believing, right, you know, I bought so many pregnancy tests and all this stuff. And I remember coming out of the room one time and the girl who was just about to get married um, said to me, oh, what's wrong? And I was like, my period came. I just really want to be pregnant. and I'm just not pregnant. I just remember her looking at me like, it will happen. Like, geez, like, it's not that big a deal. I was distraught. And I just, I thought, yeah, it made, it showed me who my true hardcore friends are and yeah. in fact a lot of the friends that at the time were like oh what happened what's your problem just calm down in fact the girls at the time that said all those things if i count back now all of them went through something oh. and they never came back to talk to me about it oh. but they all went through something you know i know one could never never had children one has one child and had I think several miscarriages and IVF didn't work. I know another one had several miscarriages. So, you know, that's what made me realize that, you know what, you, that's why it's, it's good for you to be, to be good, to be good. It's yeah, good to be good. And empathize. Cause you never know. This is the kind you of You never know. 
Yeah. You never know. So when people, you know, have said to me, oh, you're an antidepressant, that means you're, you know, you're, you're not believing God, you don't have any faith, you know. I'm like, oh, very good. Okay, fine. So it's just because trauma hasn't met you yet. When something pinches you properly, come back and meet me and tell me I'm Are you mad. sure you didn't grow up in Nigeria? <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> I think I've just been around too much of my husband's friends. He's, he can be quite old school. So I think it's just, I just fall into it when, especially because his you know, guys, they're sitting there, you know, uh. with their corvossier and all that stuff. So that's where it comes from. But <laughs> no, I think a lot of them, people don't, they're not, emp- the empathy is not in our culture. No. It's just not mm. there. We literally you had an episode, toe. we had an episode mm. called A Hundred Ways Nigerians Lack Empathy. <laughs> empathy. Because yes, oh, it is wow. us and we are it. <laughs> it can be sympathetic, but empathy. Yes, like, nope. like, hey, Yes, literally. It's like, ah, uh, well, so. And then the other thing is like, ah, uh, so, uh, like, budget down the road. She too, she's had this. Oh, that person down yes. the road. Oh, that one. That Did one. they die? No. Did they die? Have they got two heads? Are we crying? <laughs> Come on, my friend, let's carry on. What's the problem? Like, that's literally what it's like. It's like, even my mum not too long ago was like, oh, but you know, it's so hard for her because she's had cesarean. And I was like, hello, I had two. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's not. Don't do that. Don't, don't, let's not do that. Let's not do this comparison thing because we, we don't have, empathy is not in the Nigerian, it's not in. And then when it is, it's very much of a boastful thing. It's very mm. much like, but I'm even trying to even come to your level. Like, it's very, like, can't you see how much I'm even trying to help you to show that I'm, like, I'm like, no, like, just carry go, go, just yeah. go. I don't need your begging kind of, no, 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 empathy. Yeah. So I, I guess think this is a call out to pretty much, like, everyone that, everyone in our culture, to be honest, to just be more empathetic, especially towards this thing, because I feel like immediately people get married in our culture. It's like, ah, when are you going to have kids? Yeah. And you literally don't know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the part of that assumption thing where you're like, yeah, that's the next step, but you literally don't know if they're already yeah. trying. And like, you just, mm. uh, nah, it's somehow. And also, I think it's because we've summarized what life is is supposed yeah. to be about, you know. Different steps. Um, and I think we all do that. We're cultured that way. We're supposed to, it's, 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 I think, um, Chimamanda Adiche also talks about we raise girls to be wives and mothers. Mm-hmm. Full stop. That's it. That's the expanse. And once you go through from your GCSEs or the equivalent of, then you're supposed to go to your degree. Once you've done your degree, you do your master's. Once you've done your master's, you get married, marriage, uh, a baby. And baby, or somehow you're supposed to buy a house in amongst all yes. of that and also make sure that the people back home have enough money to know that you are in, in especially if you're in the diaspora, to make sure that they know that you have landed. So you're supposed to be sending money amongst all these things mm-hmm. and then die that's the end that's there's nothing else that's it and and if you put so much pressure on women to only have these things you forget about there's a whole breadth of experiences travel your calling what am i called to do what am i put on the earth to do because yes i'm a mum great i have two amazing energetic nosy mischievous children in my life but I still wake up every morning and think, what am I supposed to do today? Like, there, there are deeper questions. I went to the doctors and when I was telling them, look, I really have very bad 
depression around my period. Like, this is not a joke. I, it's really bad. And she was just, I remember it was a nurse, in fact. She just looked at me, she's like, hey, well, you've had two children. Just be grateful. Yeah, I'm married. Can't you just be happy? And I just looked at her like, Wow, all just of a sudden, what you said message. made all my problems <laughs> go away. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm healed. I'm healed. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It really is something. But thank you so, so much, Ruby, for coming on and sharing this with us. I'm being so it. open yes. and honest. Like, thank you so much. This is something oh. that I feel like everyone needs to be aware of. Even if you're not going through it, like, we're a community. Our Nigerian experience is usually mm. very community based so like always be sensitive of people going through this and stuff like that and this is really good information honestly i'm gonna Mm -hmm. um, think about that um, i'm gonna go like go to the kind of college like yeah oh i went to go and i got a doctor would not refer me okay (laughs) i gotta get a new doctor so yeah sorry just one more thing before i forget the, yeah. the other thing that it might start off a whole different conversation, but it's something that I've been thinking a lot about is for years we were, before this natural hair movement, we were using relaxers. Mm. And there has been studies to say that relaxers having obviously it's had a lot of effect on black women's health. And, you know, fibroids are disproportionately diagnosed to black and brown women yeah. across the world and for me but there are very few things that differentiate us from our Caucasian counterparts and that is the food we eat and the things we put in our hair and so for me that the other thing is that I always think that we need to be mindful of all those things that we do you know I'm not I'm not a vegan I'm not a vegetarian I'm none of those things you know I've just had half a bottle of wine so I'm not one of those people at all but it's just something that I think we need to be extremely aware of in our culture especially as black women the relaxer thing really tripped me because I was like ah my hair is thick African like abekuta hair so when they relaxed my hair, it was always two relaxers pots that they put on my head. Yeah. I'm like, really? yeah, from a young age as well, because my hair was so thick. It was so thick. And also within four weeks, my hair is due again. So oh. I was like, what if all those, do, do you see what I mean? Is that like, what yeah, if that had an effect on what I absorbed into my body? So it's just something, you know, I just wanted to a put it out there. Going. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. Just a food for thought. Just, Look carefully into what you're putting in your hair and what you're eating. I'm just yeah. saying, because my daughter is now, she's like, ah, palm wine is evil. Palm, not palm wine. No, I'm not drunk. I, I mean, palm oil. Because <laughs> 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 I learned about it in school. And, you know, all these things, we just palm need oil to... Is bad. Well, I get well, the same, the same for the environment. Yeah, for the environment. For the environment. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they chopped down trees and all of this. I'm so sorry. she made us. It's my goosey. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. That's how she'd been drawing all these animals and she made us put it on the door. So I was like, hmm, when your grandma sees no palm oil in the house, what she will, she will not my, you know, my mother in law already has complained that I don't cook. Now she will now see no palm oil. She'll never come to the house again. So, <laughs> although that's a good deterrent in some ways. 
<laughs> um, sorry, but I just wanted to, it just, it struck me out. Maybe somebody needed to hear that just to think about it. I'm not saying, yeah. Relata is good if you, if that's what you do and it makes you happy, go for it. But yeah. me, I am locked and I'm locked forever. Yeah. It's a food for thought. Yeah. I found out about the fibroids and black women thing from um, girlfriends. Like there was an episode where, um, oh, I found out about it a while ago, but I can't remember how. Yeah. I think it was one of my aunties had it. Oh, really? Yeah. And she told you? Well, she told my mother. I remember that Okay. Told me. Yeah. I was like, they tell the things? Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. And Ruby Seuss, could you please plug all your stuff here? Because I know you also have a podcast and like you're an illustrator. Could you tell us a lot? Oh, all my now? stuff. Yes. Yeah, so I'm on YouTube, Ruby Seuss Create. Um, I talk about my look, fertility, um, and my creative journey, my creative life and stuff like that. Um, I also am an illustrator. So I've illustrated three children's books for, um, independent authors. And hopefully I'm going to be, I'm going to get an agent and, you know, write my own books. So I've got Amen. some uh, ideas for, um, a graphic novel and a children's book called Clouds for Lunch, all about my daughter who wanted to eat clouds for lunch and how we solved that problem. Um, I'm also a filmmaker. So my film, Strong Black woman was um i came to canada y'all i was in canada two years ago Um, but i was uh uh, where was i oh gosh shame on me montreal god (laughs) no toronto 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 Toronto. i was selected as part of a um massive competition called buffer festival on youtube and they selected my film to be part of this festival so they flew myself to canada and i took my husband with me um and the film was shown and it was really really cool um my five five minute movie about strong black women which talks about my mental health journey and the fertility and the journeys that my mum and my grandma went through as well yeah and so a really short movie um, and it's also being shown, I think, in a couple of weeks at another festival, so in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that as well. And then I'm a podcaster. So I have, I'm part of a duo called Yep, Yep, I Said It. And that podcast is all about all the, if you think I'm open here, I'm <laughs> 10 times more open over there. Um, and we talk about uncomfortable things that people don't want to talk about. So, you know, talk about mental health, talk about, I don't know, sex before marriage and mm-hmm. whether I agree or don't agree, all that kind of stuff and stuff in church and stuff. And then I'm also part of another podcast called Women Create Two. And there we talk about film and all things creative. So anything from what did I watch recently? What am I making? Um, kind of thing. So, yeah, at the moment, and then I have an Etsy shop and a... Yeah, I have an online shop where I sell my stuff, cards, Christmas cards, birthday cards, all that good stuff. So I'm a busy woman. I have a nine to five as well. Yeah, I have a nine to five as well. Yeah, I have a nine to five. So I'm I'm a project manager. um, Oh my God. For the government. Yeah, for the government. That is not an easy job. Yeah, not an easy job. Um, and yeah, I've been married to my husband and I'm married 13 years this year. Oh, congrats. Yes. Thank you. We're teenagers, y'all. We're teenagers yeah. in this marriage game. Um, and my son is eight and my daughter is six, both of which are going on 15. They are mini teenagers. They really, really are. They really congrats. are. So yeah, my life is busy and full, but yeah. we're, we're grateful. Yes. Very, very grateful. Thank you so Thank much for you. coming on here and sharing everything. Thank you for 
having me. This Thank you. Really, it was an amazing conversation. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And we hope to hear Thank from you, you soon. So like, on, whether it's on your podcast or just keeping up with you and like your work and all of that. And yeah, thank you. That Wait, would hello? be so cool. I'm okay. sure there's lots of conversations. When I need to plug my book, I'll, I'll reach out. Hey, who knows? I might end up in Canada soon again. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It was a really, really, really insightful um, conversation. Be sure to check out Ruby Suze's um, page. It'll be in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe, like, share our uh, podcast with your friends and family. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell tell a a friend. friend. But yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.